let's get into the word. I want us to look at what it means to have an unclean spirit. What it means to have an unclean spirit. Um, in modern church, um, unless you're at a deliverance church, they really don't talk about demonic activity amongst believers. There's a connotation that demonic activity cannot happen amongst believers. But I'm pretty sure some of you know that is not true. You have experienced it within yourself, right? And while we may not like to admit it, we can definitely say there have been times and situations and events where who we are in God is completely absent and everything that is not of God is showing forth. And you know at that moment you never stopped believing in Jesus, but none of that is really bearing any weight in your current actions. It's as if you had been possessed by some other spirit causing you to think, move, act, and respond in a way that is absolutely not Christ-like. And when you come to your right mind, you look and go, what the world was that? And the, the, the situation with believers and adults is sometimes when you come to your right mind, you have to look back at that situation. And if you already are used to being deceptive, right, you automatically read in what you currently know as if that was happening there. Like this, I don't, I, I don't really hate that person, so I know I didn't. And I never, I won't even think like that, so I know I didn't. And sometimes when you're used to deceiving yourself, you automatically read in how you currently feel, absent of any demonic influence, back into that situation. Right? Kids do it, adults do it, we all do it, right? And this becomes challenging because this means that this demonic spirit that greatly used you has a hiding place in your recollection. He gets to camp out because of your recollection. Now, what I love about a cloud of witnesses, what I love about the body of Christ, your brothers and sisters, is that if anybody saw or bore witness to this activity, what you thus say you felt is irrelevant to what everybody saw. And I know you don't like to think that. You like to think, no, what I feel matters is the more truth than what I displayed. That's not true. See, it don't even make no sense. Don't, don't get upset now, okay? I was not coming for any person in particular, okay? I got this one verse, which is Mark 7, 15, without even thinking of y'all, just me and the Lord, in prayer and meditation. This is what we talked about all week. I did not have any of you in mind. Please know this. So if you feel crunchy, it is not because I am directing this to you personally. Amen? Okay, because y'all looking at me like, I don't know if I should be agitated now, later, in the middle. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> so when we look back, what we know to be true now with clarity, what we know to be true of our heart now with clarity, without any influence, we think that that's what we had going on there. And only the witnesses that saw your actions could really hold you accountable to your misreading your previous event. But you like to think, no, whatever I felt, it's best to define the truth than what I displayed. See, when I say it out loud, it don't make no sense, does it? 
Because you know that you can best tell what a person got going on based off what they say and do, not necessarily what internal feelings they might have. Right? And for the most part, this is what we're going to look at today a little bit. When you act upon something in your heart, right, it doesn't mean that there weren't other things in your heart, right? It does mean that that thing was the greatest. That's just say. That's just fair, all right? Okay, don't try to try, stop trying to defend yourself in a particular event and just look at the facts, okay? That's what you, you're trying to defend yourself. Well, not exactly because you're going to be way over here. These are just basic facts that we all live by, right? That whatever spurred the action was the feeling, emotion, or thought that was preeminent among all others. It was the dominant, right? That's just a fact. So when outside people, witnesses, bear witness to your actions, no matter what you say you felt, all we have to do is look at the actions. And whatever you say you felt is irrelevant when we see the action. This is fair? Okay, all right, all right. Let's look at Mark chapter seven, verse 15. <coughs> When you're there, say amen. There is nothing outside a person that by going, I'm using the English Standard Version. Uh, there's nothing outside of a person, outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But things that come out of a person are what defile him. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> Like you were, you were on the on the on the cusp of believing me, and then I read the scripture. You're like, oh yeah, I, I, yeah, fully. <laughs> Who could argue with the word? <laughs> At first, it was my philosophical opinion. <laughs> now it's a biblical fact. <laughs> Jesus in the book of Mark, um, Mark is highlighting something that is uh, for the first nine chapters of the book of Mark. He highlights uh, Jesus's dealings with an unclean spirit from chapters one all the way to chapter nine it's just ongoing about unclean spirits so let's look at the first occurrence in mark um, because he uses this term more readily than any of the other synoptic gospels um, let's look at chapter one in chapter one somewhere around the 21st verse jesus heals a man with an unclean spirit and uh they went, Jesus and the disciples went into Capernaum and immediately, somebody say immediately, on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And when they, and they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately, somebody say immediately, there was in, in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit and cried out. Let's stop right there. Okay. For all intents and purposes, this man with the unclean spirit is a believer. Because you don't allow non-believers into the synagogue. Okay? The same amount of Jewish belief that will usher a person to also see the Messiah as Christ is what they had. Off the top. Okay? All right, just wanted to highlight that point. Okay, this man was in church, in the synagogue. 
amongst other believers. Where Jesus showed up. <laughs> That's where we're at. Yep, we, we, Pastor, this looks familiar. <laughs> Are you narrating my life? <laughs> and a man with an unclean spirit um, was there in their midst. And he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Verse 25, but Jesus rebuked him, saying, be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. They were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. Interesting. Chapter 2, or chapter, mm, yeah, chapter 3. Yeah. Chapter 3 gives us a wonderful understanding of more of this unclean spirit situation. So we have a man in the synagogue that immediately identifies Jesus. Chapter 3, verse uh, 11. Chapter 3, verse 11 gives us a better understanding of what is happening in chapter 1. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, the him being Christ, they fell down before him and cried out, you are the son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. In the beginning of Jesus' ministry, unclean spirits would show up in his presence immediately. Immediately, they'd be near him. They'd fall down in front of him. And according to scripture, they knew who Jesus was. All right. What they're concerned with time and time again is what is he getting ready to do? So we could off the top say that there are unclean spirits and spirits that operate in Satan's kingdom that completely identify the spirit of God. Right? 100%. They don't deny it. Right? They know it. What they don't know is what the spirit of God is getting ready to do. Why was the spirit of God being sent, used? Why did the son of God show up in this hour at this time? This is the part that they really don't understand. Now, what I like is, is interesting is similar to the guy in the synagogue, what he was saying was true. Can we go back to that? In the synagogue of chapter one, <coughs> I know who you are, the Holy One of God. What these demonic spirits, these unclean spirits know is true, right? What they proclaimed is true. So imagine someone in church stands up and says, Jesus is God out of nowhere. Maybe you wouldn't think anything of it, right? But there's something behind the truth that you're saying that gets down to why you're saying it. Right? What the demonic spirit was not near, was not as important, nearly as important, what he said was not nearly as important as why he said it. Uh huh. What he said is truth. But it takes the spirit of God to know why 
you're saying this truth at this time. Do you understand? This gets down to the heart of the matter. Oh, the places that nobody likes anybody to look at, right? You're only saying this because the demonic spirit that is influencing you wants to know what God's next steps are. Oh, wow. This is the part, um, we don't normally talk about demonic activity here, all right? Which is why it may not be posted on the podcast, okay? Um, but this is why some things have to be main, remain silent, quiet. Because some of you don't recognize how much Satan fights against the kingdom of God. And we could tell you simple things, thinking we're on the same team. But your lack of understanding and ignorance, and sometimes the use of an unclean spirit, will show and indicate that we are not on the same team. Not at that moment, right? So if we're all worshiping, or we're all listening right now to this scripture, and I'm preaching, and somebody stands up, Jesus is Lord! You'll be like, oh, Hallelujah. No, no hallelujah. No, no, no hallelujah. Why is this being done? What you would indicate is that somehow what you're feeling in the spirit is greater than the assignment of the pastor by the same spirit. Right? Most people are like, no, that's yay, that's Jesus Lord. No, no. Jesus tells this man, shut up, hush your mouth, be quiet, silent. Oh, no, Jesus did not talk like he got authority over people. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's what y'all do. Pastor, you, you be talking to us like we kids, like you over us. A little bit, just a little bit over you, just, just, just a smidge, teensy bit. Because whatever this man is saying is demonically inspired and charged. And I'm certain this man is unaware. We don't see him going, should I say it? Ooh, don't say it. Ooh, ooh. He don't see him wrestling within himself. Immediately just blurts it out, giving full use of his body and his members to this unclean spirit. Right? Jesus tells him to be quiet. Shut your mouth and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him, that means like really shaking up his entire body in, in a violent reaction um, and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed, right? So later we find that anytime Jesus came in contact with an unclean spirit, they all fell down before him and worshiped. I don't even have to worship, but they definitely fell down. This is, this is, this is unique. Because even demonic spirits know that they have no choice but to humble themselves. And anybody being used by them has to humble themselves. And this could make people uncomfortable. Because there's something of authority pulling on you to get low. Y'all don't want to help me today. Hello? There's something, some authority that is tugging on your insides, telling you you need to get low. Right? But you're so used to standing up for yourself. 
You so used to defending yourself. You so used to rising up to the occasion, right? <laughs> this is funny because the only part of you that does this is the part of choice that God gave you, but even demonic spirits know they humble. Now, now catch this. If you were a demonic spirit between a vessel that instantly knows to fall low, to drop low in the presence of God, and a vessel that will strive to be heard and seen in the presence of God, which one would you find more comparable to your choices? If you were the demonic spirit, you had to pick between somebody who always in the presence of God falls low and somebody who even in the presence of God tries to remain upright, to be heard, and to be seen. If you were an evil spirit, which one would you think is best for you to inhabit? Huh? Some of y'all still look confused. It's okay. Let's do it again. If you was ooh evil spirit, <laughs> and you could pick between this Christian A, right? Christian, Christian Alice, all right? Immediately, in the presence of God, humbles herself. You go into Alice, she get in the presence of God. Ooh, mm, mm, mm. She get around people like, oh, no, no, you first, you first. She get around the pastor, oh, no, pastor, no, 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 no. Every time she get around people of God in the presence of God, she always just drop to her knees. She just falls out and just be humble. Spirit be like, I wanted to do something, but here we go low again. I want, I'm going to say, Ugh. I would like to just say, you just, Ugh. well, I really just want to, Ugh. and every time the demonic spirit is in Alice, he always has to be humbled, right? Right? Now he knows in his own self, he's going to have to humble himself. But then he goes into Bob, who likes to be heard, likes to explain himself, likes to be seen, understood, very opinionated, stubborn, strong-willed, right? So this evil spirit goes into Bob, who even in the presence of God, struggles to be seen, heard, and understood, and gives no qualms about authority, right? If the demonic spirit himself, under full supposition, comes in contact with Christ, has to humble himself, I'm pretty sure he'd be happier in Bob, who is fighting to stay up. Which he could never do in the presence of God and of himself. That demonic spirit could never stand in the presence of God by himself. And when given complete possession of an individual, still can't stand. But as long as there's still some of you left that is unsubmitted to God, hello, somebody, he's going to find it very comfortable and very easy to remain in you because he never has to humble because of your status. Because you're God's son. Because you're the children of God. Because you're the sons of God. He never has to humble. As long as there's still some of you left. When full demonic possession happens, he has to humble. <laughs> you took over this entire individual, right? When the spirit of God is fully engrossed in a person's heart, there's no way the demonic spirit would even want to be there, let alone inside that person, right? But if there's a portion of you left, this is a very happy home. It's just hot enough 
to replicate like a virus or a bacteria. Nice and warm, murky. Not too hot where we die and not too cold when we die, but just the right temperature, just the right mix of you and your things with God. A lukewarm situation. Perfect for bacteria and virus growth. I don't know. I don't know where we're going with this, but there it is. So whenever the spirits, the unclean spirits saw Christ, they fell down before him and cried out, you are the son of God. These things are true. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. Because the reason they were doing it is, one, to force out Christ's intentions. The faster we make this known, the faster we have to be able to see and uncover what you're really here to do. The motives, even though it was poor, even though the truth was accurate. The spirit was bad, even though it said truthful things. Okay. All right. Let's go to the next occurrence and understanding that Mark gives us. In chapter, that was chapter three. Oh, I didn't finish chapter three. Let's, let's keep going to chapter three. There's some more teachings on un, un, unclean spirits that, that Jesus gives. If you jump on down to verse 20 and 21, um, after the, the understanding of what these unclean spirits are doing every time they come in contact with Jesus. Now, this is what is unique is that Mark still calls other demonic activity and sicknesses. And they're not unclean spirits. Just, this person is just blind. This person is just sick. This person just has a withered hand. Right? There are all kinds of other situations that Jesus heals and delivers. But these, then there are some that are unclean spirits. They didn't, what we'll find in some cases still replicate sickness, disease, muteness, and deafness. Right? But Mark makes a distinguishment between the unclean spirits that Christ encounters that are trying to tell the truth in order to flesh out his purpose, and those are just um, hindering mankind. All right? Okay. So eventually, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 13, Jesus gets some, uh, his 12 disciples. He calls them up, gives them the name apostles, talks to them on a mountain um, that he might be able to send them out to preach the gospel and to have authority in casting out demons, Mark says. So he appointed his 12, and it lists the 12, disciples. When we get down to chapter uh, to verse 20, um, then Jesus went home. His hometown, like home home. Got his 12 disciples. The whole town is buzzing with his, with his notoriety and what he's able to do, casting out unclean. There's like, there's a man that is preaching that is casting out unclean spirits. We've never seen this before. When something is bad at its core, you just got to just get away from it. <laughs> it can't be helped. But then he does something. He sees it at who it is, he identifies it, and he casts it out. So when he gets home, Jesus gathers, he gets home, and the crowd gathers again. And there's so many people with so many needs that him nor his disciples could even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for their, they were saying he was out of his mind. Right? Verse 22, and the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, he's possessed by Beelzebub. And by this prince of demons, he cast out the demons. 
Mm -hmm. And he called them to him and said to them in parables. Who did he call? The scribes. The ones that accused him of being possessed by Satan or being the prince of Satan, casting out more satanic and demonic spirits. He says, you, you come here. Let's talk about this for a second. He said, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. For no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. Let's just stop here for a second. Jesus gives us some interesting tools about double-mindedness. We know, according to scripture, that double, a double-minded person is unstable in all of his ways. What Jesus is showing is that within an individual, there could be a war in your members. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Similar to how there could be, because you look, he says, uh, if a kingdom is divided against itself, right? And then he gives the example, if a house is divided against itself. So the house would be the individual. The kingdom would be uh, individuals. Okay, so he's trying to give us a truth that what is true about a kingdom being divided cannot stand is true about you, your house as an individual. When you are divided, you cannot stand. I don't know if you guys remember, but last Wednesday we were talking about the fear that you have as it relates to, com to completely yielding to God. And this war and your members where you go back and forth between I'm all in with Jesus and not all in that much because I still got to eat and not all in that much because I still got to do this. That battle right there and everybody has one until you conquer it, right? And I'll know when you conquer it because you'll look like me and Minmo sometimes, most times. But as long as you're still in that uh, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, there's still a lot of you and not enough God. So even your house is divided, which eventually you will fall. But where are you going to fall? Are you gonna fall at the feet of Christ? Or are you gonna fall at the, the kingdom of Satan? But it is obvious that you can be used by either or to state the truth and to pull out things that God never intended. Hello? Okay. So it says the house can't stand. He said, even if Satan rises up against, risen up against himself and is divided, clearly that is an indicator that he's going to come to an end. So no matter what, I can't be used by Satan casting out Satan. No matter what you think, it still indicates that Satan's rule is coming to an end. That's what he's saying. He's like, hey, all right, number one, that doesn't even make no sense. Number two, even if it did make sense, it would still point to the idea that Satan's kingdom is coming to an end, which is his point. Above all, he's not defending his, their opinion of him. He's trying, he's more concerned with, do you recognize what is happening here? Yeah. 
What Satan wants to know is, why am I here? Hello? And you should know. So he's speaking in a parable. Guys, even if, it, even if he was, it's still coming to an end. This is the kingdom that's going to fall apart. All right? It's, it's come, his kingdom is shot out. We're gonna, we're, they're going to be done with anyway. Just think about this. And he's trying to say to the scribes, ooh, ooh. <laughs> declaring who he is, but not making that the priority. But trying to give them truth in a way that they're already holding a bit of it. Something about you gives you authority in Satan's kingdom. The bad part is that in your heart, you can't be the Messiah because then everything I'm doing has to change. So have we considered that maybe you're just being used by Satan? How quick the mind turns over in order to preserve your own desires. I've seen this happen in believers so often, in my heart, in your heart, that there is a hidden desire. Maybe you just didn't feel like going to work that day. Maybe you just didn't feel like sweeping the floor. Maybe you didn't feel like going to the store. Maybe you just, and instantly, a flood of excuses and reasons come that declare to be holy and noble. <laughs> right? Or if suddenly you begin to think, See I, see, I was going to call you, but then I thought, I don't want to disturb you. See, I was going to call you before I made this terrible mistake, but I thought, now all of a sudden, something good, like, oh, I don't want to disturb you, has become so paramount as it hides your real motives and intentions. It is true. There's a part of you that what doesn't want to disturb that person, right? But that is not the reason why you're implementing this particular reason right now. As I tell people, you call me for everything else. And there's, there's no winning on that one. You call me for everything else, big or small. You'd be like, uh, I'm going to call a pass on this one. It'd be her day off, mm, I'm going to call on this one. It don't matter what day it is. It don't even matter what time it is. Each person at some point has decided to go against what they think they should do when they think that they really need help. So why in this case did you use that line? I'll just give you an example, right? This is the idea of something very true and, and noble. Mm, but why are you using it here? because I secretly wanted to call him and go to his house, and I secretly wanted to go to her. Yeah, 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 all of that. What you didn't want to admit about yourself. Hello? So maybe the person that bore witness to it has to draw attention to your actions when you're trying to believe your best intentions were there in the forefront. This is why some people despise accountability. This is why some of you don't want nobody to know what you got going on in your life. You find it as an insult and an offense 
and anybody want to know, hey, where you going? What you doing? What you do last week? How's it been going? You going to do da 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 And you be thinking, I need to shut all this down. Because you're going to get too close, and I won't be able to defend some of the things you're going to see. So I'm going to just, you can look at this. Okay, that's it. Don't, don't look at nothing else. No, 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 no. Shut the door. No. You stay out there in the living room. Right? Because when people start to really see you day in and day out, hello? Do you know how many people see me every day? Do you know how many people see and watch my life on a daily basis? I may have, on average, three hours on any given day where no one sees me. Three hours. Which people go, I know Pastor ain't doing no dirt, because if I didn't see her, such as I saw her, and that accounts for that person, that person looked at her and talked to her on this day, and that person talked to her on that day, and I was there on the latter day, and then I found out she got Keisha had her meeting on this day, and, that, and I, by the end of the day, all 20-some of my wake hours are accounted for. All of my days and hours are accounted for. Do you know what type of life you have to live for every waking hour of your life to be observed by believers? Come on, get at me, folk. No, no, come on, come with it. You four-hour observant, on Christian only see four hours of your life. Church and church. That's about it. If I show up for an extra day, look, that's more time you ever thought you had. I came to church three times a day this week. Woo-wee. Y'all are feeling so crunchy that it's hilarious. It's like every person has their own bit of. <laughs> I told you I was not thinking about you, but you are giving yourself away with these weird facial expressions. <laughs> I want to be mad, but I don't know what I want to be mad about. Because hey, most of this wasn't even pre-planned, so what you get is what you get. <clears throat> Are you praying? Pray that the Lord speaks to you. We're supposed to be on the same team. You, st you still got me against you versus me being a servant to your needs. Pray. Ask the Lord to help you. What all the stuff you say, whenever it takes, Lord, that, that's what I'm doing. Okay? Hello? So he said, okay, even, either way it goes, Satan's kingdom is definitely coming to an end. All right. Verse 28 says, he says, Christ says, truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of men and whatever blasphemes they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying he has an unclean spirit. The whole premise, as he is having authority over unclean spirits, is that he also has authority because he got his own unclean spirit. The reason why that a person anointed could speak to that is because they also still dealing with that. 
No, not at all. Right? So they're accusing Christ of having an unclean spirit because he has authority over all unclean spirits. And I'm sure because the unclean spirits can identify him. You the son of God. Man, shut up. Don't nobody care what you're about to say. Don't act like we friends. Don't act like we together. Get out. Oh, you think you know me? You don't know me. Get out. Like that's, that's what has to take place. Because what you're doing is not from the spirit of God. But people will assume that it is because you know me by name. So Jesus literally humiliates every last one of them. Get out! Shut up! Hush your mouth. Be quiet. All I said was you were the son of God. Yeah, but why did you say it at this hour, at this time? Reveals what spirit is, use, is using you. What I love about this verse in verse 29 is that there's forgiveness of all blasphemies. Any sacrilegious thing you do, anything you do against the will of God, forgiveness, except for one. The one they're committing right now. To blaspheme the spirit of God. What exactly is that? It's just what happened. To say that what God is doing is actually a move of Satan. That when God is speaking, it's really Satan speaking. When God is doing something, it's really not God doing it. This, that's not God's heart. This is God's heart. Now, I'm sure somebody's thinking, but what if you do it on accident? Are you might thinking that? <laughs> I was thinking that. I'm like, what if I'm like, ooh, that was like, ooh, it was not. Ah! <laughs> ah! I did this. I did the unforgivable sin. <laughs> oh, I'm going to go to hell. <laughs> and I can't even be saved. I, did, I got it wrong. I thought it was, it wasn't. It was you. Oh, no. Too late. <laughs> What we have to take into consideration, dear children, <laughs> is that every unclean spirit knows who Christ is. Okay. You <laughs> like I need more information. <laughs> you don't have to be afraid. You just have to be honest. <laughs> every demonic spirit identifies clearly the son of God every unclean spirit he came in contact you are the son of God in his presence they humble themselves all right you the son of God golly what are you doing here I would like to get I can't get up <laughs> he's still there he's still looking at us oh. <laughs> when he leave I'm gonna get up they all know who he is so at times when you don't know if it's God, why? 
Why don't you know this God? The spirit of God can truly identify the spirit of God. Is that true? Check. And the spirit of Satan can identify the spirit of God. Is that true? Check. Where did you not identifying it come from? Because it doesn't exist. My sheep know my voice, and a stranger's voice they will not hearken unto. The word of God makes it very clear that when you have the spirit of God, you know him. Go to every example where you weren't sure if something was God or not. Get down to the root of it, and did you really know whether it was God or not? Go to each one of them. Every last one. Did you end up repenting for something? Yeah, that wasn't God. You end up asking forgiveness? Definitely wasn't God. Did you get a nod of approval from Father? It's probably God. When you left doing that situation, you felt the Holy Spirit was with you in full effect. Because when it comes to hard decisions and you seek the Father, even if you don't know what to do, you feel his spirit in that action. Did you feel void of his spirit? Neutral? Non-motivated, inspired? Or fed by him? You claim you just, you just feel regular. But should you? You're in a, a decision-making point, and you just act on it, and you feel regular, Glenda likes to say. If I'm in a decision-making point, and this could be something serious, you know? I'm praying, I'm seeking God. What I'm about to do next is not going to feel regular. If it's with the Spirit of God, I'm going to feel more of him. More, more of him, more of him. Oh, it got difficult again. Oh, here comes more of his spirit. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. When it's not in his spirit, and it's of your will, you're left by your own motivations. Check it. Every time it was not of the spirit of God, you were left by your own motivations and inspirations. You can't say, oh, I feel fired up in Christ. No, you just felt regular. You can't really say I'm going through the motions, but you're definitely not sensing any overflow of the Spirit of God. But shouldn't there be an overflow of the Spirit of God when decisions have to be made for God? That's what I'm, I'm trying to say. Go back to all those occasions where you thought, oh, I wasn't sure, and you will see you always knew whether it was God or whether it wasn't. So when I say, you don't have to worry about that. You just have to be truthful. You don't have to worry about, is it God or not God? Just be true, be honest. I can see that that is really the hand of God, even though I really don't want to do it. I can see that it's the hand of God, even though I am terrified. I can see that it's the hand of God, even though I am so unsure. I can see that's the heart of God. I can see that's the direction of God. And you know it because truth knows truth. Satan likes to make you think that you have some middle ground of, of indecisiveness. Because this keeps you unstable. Keeps a lot of you moving. Hello, somebody. When I'm stuck between a perplexing situation, not really a sin, 
But I really have to know, is this what God wants me to do or this? Right? I look for which one has the heart of God most readily and not which one I would prefer. Which one I think he's getting ready to do. On both decisions, which one fully utilizes the heart and character of God? Well, God wouldn't want you to give your last $5. Really? Now that's Satan telling you to get the last five. Is it? Let's check that again. He died on the cross, gave his only begotten son. Mm, I don't know about that. Could it be that the last $5 that you are in question about giving is just because of your desires, your uncertainty, and your fears, but you can truly see whether that is belongs to God or not? Whether that action fully encompasses the spirit and heart of God? And you even know which nature of God should be displayed at that point. You do. You do know. You know that, yes, while God can be furious, it's definitely not a time for me to be furious. God is jealous. This is not the time for you to be jealous. God is loud. This ain't the time for you to be loud. And you know. You know it. Go ahead. Check, check your hearts. Right? So it is Satan that is trying to convince you through a lack of ignorance that somehow you won't be able to identify the things of God and the spirit of God. So that you could always be a tad bit unbalanced. A little lukewarm. Well, is it God that wants me to say something? I don't know. Evaluate. Take it all the way down. You can see it plainly, can't you? Last time you said something you shouldn't have said, and the last time you did something you shouldn't have do, and the last time you did something you should have did, and the last time you said something you should have said. You can clearly see it, can't you? That's all I'm trying to say. But you like to have, and Satan likes you to have the opinion, the possibility that you won't know. Oh, who would ever know? Uh, you. You should know. Well, I ain't hear God say nothing, but where is he leading your heart? Uh-huh. Where is God leading your heart? I mean, I can't really say that God lead my heart, but I do feel that I should. I, 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 Count the eyes. Right? Oh, okay. I want to say questions, comments, and concerns, but I'm not going to say that. <laughs> he says, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness but is guilty of an eternal sin. This is your indicator. What you're guilty of is not an infinite sin. Eternal means that it was always here and it's always going to be here. So he's saying whoever blasphemes against the spirit of God has a sin that was always here and always will be here. That's why you cannot have any forgiveness. That ain't nobody but Satan. There's nobody but Satan. And only Satan has the audacity to declare what God is doing that is good as bad. Only Satan has that audacity. Right? Now, you got some other questions. But what if we do kind of do that? <laughs> is we the Satan? Like sometimes I'd be like, that's not God. Then I'd be like, ooh, it was God. Oh. <laughs> I've got the Satan. Let's read on. 
<laughs> Fret not. <laughs> Chapter 5. Chapter 5 comes up another unclean spirit. And there are other healings and deliverances that's happening within these chapters. But these are the ones that involve the unclean spirits. Okay? Then they came to the other side of the sea of the country of Gerasensis. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, somebody say immediately. Immediately they met him out. Uh, there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had um, often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting, his, cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you, God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of that man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. Stop right there. All righty. Jesus goes on the other side of the sea into a new country. And so he steps off the boat. A man dwelling in the mountains fixes his eyes on Jesus, comes racing towards him, battered, beaten. This man is struggling with himself. 100%. He's battling with stuff that is happening on the inside of him. He may be, you know, looking like a human being on the outside, but there is a war deep in his members on the inside. And eventually, this begins to show. So when he can't cut himself, he has to be bound and chained because he began, tries to hurt other people. This war in himself becomes a war against other people. And then those people don't know what to do with him. They can no longer bind him, right? Because he breaks free. They can no longer chain him because he breaks free of that. But no matter what, this pain has caused him to be isolated. People around are all frightened and fearful as he howls in the night, cutting himself with stones, not knowing what he's going to do next. Erratic behavior. Oh, don't go over there. Such and such might be mad. Oh, don't say that. They might get upset. Oh, you don't want to do that. They might start arguing. 
Or you don't want to say that because then they'll shut down and won't talk to us no more. Sound familiar? Oh. Huh. All because you're dealing with something on the inside that is causing you injury. And when nobody else knows how to live around you, you then become isolated. Now, this man possessed with these unclean spirits apparently wanted to be free. He fixes his eye on Jesus, rushes down to Jesus, humbles himself, and that demonic spirit, those spirits began to speak. They know who Jesus is. Jesus like, you're going to get out of him. Wait, don't torment us. Right? And then, okay, if you're going to torment us, don't cast out of this country. Like, being here is far better than being in the abyss. Please don't send us down to the abyss. Just let us stay. Let us stay here. There's some, there's some, some pigs over there. Can you just cast us into there? Do, do you see the amount of authority Christ has? If he was about destroying unclean spirits, this is the time to do it. It's a legion of them. You want to take out Satan's kingdom? Here's an opportunity. See how this don't make no sense? You got to tear down Satan's kingdom. For what? Even Christ himself, when given the opportunity, did not torment or cast them into the abyss. We're thinking, but why didn't he? <laughs> we'll see it in just a second. Just come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He said, we're legions. There's a ton of us. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. So these demonic spirits are using the mouth of this man. I just want you to see this. All right. I also want you to see how they're using the heart of this man. And he beseeched, begged Jesus earnestly not to send them out into the country. Y'all don't want to help. Y'all not trying to help me here, huh? Huh? He is begging on their behalf. Even though their presence is destroying you. Even though they have caused you to be isolated. You rather have them than nobody. You've learned how to dwell in the mountains. You learn how to dwell in the tombs all by yourself. If you cast them out. What am I going to do? I have to live a completely different way. Around people. Smiling at them. Talking to them. They be looking at me in my face all the time. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Nope. Uh-uh. Nope. Can you just leave us alone? Pastor, can you just look away? I can't be around because you be, you be looking at me. <laughs> I be looking at you. Yeah, you be looking at me. I do be looking at you. I'll be looking all in your insides. <laughs> Whatever the Spirit of the Lord want me to see, I want to see it. Whatever you don't want me to see, I don't want to see that. <laughs> so this man begged him earnestly not to send them out. So not only were they just, it's not just that these demonic spirits, these unclean spirits, 
overtake your body and you're unaware. They have inculcated your heart. They've got you to ask for things as if that's what you want. So you want this, I do. This is really what you want. I, this is what I really want. Sometimes you just, I gotta live my life. But I'm looking at you. You all beat up. You cut up. You ain't got no peace of God. You're struggling from time to time. You're in the mountains one day. Then you're down in the tombs the other day. Well, something's wrong with you. I'm fine. Just leave me alone. Leave us alone. What the world? You're so used to the amount of activity happening inside of you that you think this is normal. You call yourself an overthinker. No, you've just grown used to the amount of activity happening inside of you. Because to be singularly focused on God alone will destroy your way of life. So you have to be open-minded. Consider all possibilities. Look at it from every angle. Do you? You just don't want to look at it from one angle? Jesus? Nah, I can't do that. I, I got to look at it. I got to think about this. And then look over here. I got to weigh it all. And you think this is normal. And anybody that tries to say, hey, can you slow down for a second? Just let me just come here for a second. Get off of me. I'm feeling trapped. Possibly because you're really hurting yourself and other people. I ain't hurt nobody. You are. You just punched me in my gut just two seconds ago. You said something so rude and offensive, so insensitive, and you don't even know that you did it. You don't even recognize that you did it. So yeah, we just want to just wrap our arms around and hold you real tight. <coughs> okay. Fine. We'll try this. No. <laughs> well, do you want to work at the church? Uh -uh. We well, want to come hang out. Ugh. Everything we try. Hello? To apprehend you like we have been apprehended by Christ, you have broken out of. Church responsibility, loving kindness, acceptance, patience, long-suffering, whatever you need us to show. I'm just being honest. You need some money? There you go. You need me to say sorry? I'm sorry. You need some understanding? Let's, let's talk about it. You need some direction? Direction. You need prayer? Prayer. I need to be busy busy. I need to be a leader. Let's train. All of it. And you break out and go back to your mountain or to your tomb. What I want to highlight here is that it just wasn't the tombs. It was also the mountaintops. The spiritual lofty place. You alone with God. 
never seemed good, right? I remember you ain't alone. You alone with everybody. All your inner thoughts. All this activity. First you think A, then you think B, then you think C, then you think D, E, F, G, A, and you feel like this is normal. Just take a look on the inside of somebody else for a second. I'll use me as an example. I think A, and I conjure up what my B might be. That might, my, might be a, a thought. By the time I get to C, see, now it's too much. <laughs> By the time I get to C, mm -mm, nope, nope. A is Jesus. I'm just going to focus on Jesus. And I abandon all other thoughts and all other possibilities of conjuring up other thoughts. That, that's, that's this. I'm about to do that's multiple things. Uh -uh. Christ alone. But don't you want to consider? Nope, don't need to. Christ alone. But what if you chose Christ and he wanted you to go a different way? Doesn't matter. Christ alone. Nope. Whatever says all of Christ to me, that's where I'm going. Doesn't even matter. But if you pick the wrong thing, it doesn't matter. I picked Christ alone. But what if you could have had this? It still doesn't matter. I picked Christ alone. Either way, I'm 100% good. What God going to be like? You picked all of me. You shouldn't have. Ha ha. No blessings for you. No, I got to make sure I get the, the maximum blessings from God. Do you? Do you have to make sure you get the maximum blessings? Because that seems counterintuitive to what he said he would do for you off the top. Or do you like this control and all these demonic spirits begging that they can stay? Because they don't want to get evicted from you. <laughs> Everybody's like, golly. <laughs> People took a deep breath like, oh, Lord. We ain't even done. Guess it's coming together. What do you think? It's coming together. <laughs> People are like, Pastor, I want to agree, but I'm bleeding. <laughs> I'm not qualified to agree with you because I think he was talking to me. <laughs> Two things are true. And he begged earnestly, begged him earnestly not to send them out in the country. Verse 17. Verse 16. Nope. Verse 14. <laughs> so he gave him permission, right, to go in the swine. The swine rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned. <laughs> this is hilarious. Because you ran away from him into another vessel. Pigs, nonetheless. Definitely a downgrade from the human. But what I like to draw to your attention is 2,000 pigs were needed to hold this legion, but only one man was needed to hold this legion. Because wow. I was thinking like one, one unclean spirit per one human. I can only deal with one thing. The capacity 
of mankind to be used spiritually. The capacity. Tell you, Christ alone, man. Christ alone. You too. No, no me. Less than me, all of him. <laughs> I decrease that he might increase. I mean, you know these statements, but then you don't live them. All right, and the herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And the people came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they begged Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged, here's more begging, begged him that he might be with him. Now look at verse 19, something we don't see very often. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Stop right there. Two things that just happened at the end of these verses that we don't, ever see, we don't see very often. One, somebody wanted to follow Jesus and Jesus said, no. And two, he told him specifically, go tell everybody, which in most cases he say, and don't tell anybody. Don't say anything. So what, what, what is different about this situation? Okay, let's back up. The herdsmen found out and they wanted Jesus to leave the city, leave the region. And it says because they were afraid. I'm going to speak from my personal experience. When you become Christ-centered, People are terrified when they notice your change. They say it's too much. You're doing too much. You're going too far. Bring that back. Because if you could go from a thousand demons to sitting in your right mind, in the presence of God, then whatever it is they got going on has no excuse. People want you to be crazy. I had somebody tell me that the only reason I was seeing things the way I was seeing them, about sensing that they were in sin, was because I was grieving. Only to find out they was in sin. At the time that I said, I think you in sin. Demonic spirits want you to think that you are crazy. They want to use what hurt you in the past to make you feel like you're still in that state right now. Because they are afraid that by the spirit of God, you can see and discern what nobody else can see and discern. You have a type of authority that they don't have. That makes them afraid. 
You all thinking you big in God? I don't think I'm big in God, but I see that you think I am. You all. <laughs> I don't even know what they were telling you. What y'all be telling y'all? You all. <laughs> that what they be telling you? If they ain't telling you nothing, you're doing this wrong. <laughs> Just being honest. They're afraid of what his deliverance will mean to their prosperity and way of life. When you come to recognize that you are free, set free, healed, delivered, this means I know for a fact you're going to challenge just by your mere presence everybody around you. Hello? As a side note, if this ever becomes you, you have to learn how to handle that with grace. How to not take it to heart. How to be empathetic towards other people. You probably didn't do anything wrong, but your presence makes them uncomfortable. You don't make them further uncomfortable. You grace them in hopes that there could be some delineation between that unclean spirit and the individual themselves. But if people are uncomfortable around you and you just, you know, you should be. I know what you did last summer. I know what you're dealing with. It's foulness. What we say, no, when I get around that person, I just get really sick. Come on, come on, super spiritual people. Y'all know y'all been in them denominations. Now when I get my, my spirit man, just be all in a turmoil. You, you can't. You can't calm that? Because <laughs> then this leads me to believe that God will give you the ability to discern something, but not the ability to discern it correctly and what to do with it. And that doesn't seem like him. He's going to let you know something. He's going to let you pr prep you on what to do with it when you find out. Right? So your, your discerning of spirits calls you to act this way? No. You have an unclean spirit. <laughs> that caused you to see another unclean spirit. Because God's not going to let you see something and you don't know how to handle it. You discern something and you all, that's not, that's not God. Sorry. All right, let's move on. <coughs> he did not permit them but said to them, he did not permit him but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And now he has had mercy on you. What I find that is unique about Christ is that for some, it is good that you follow me. That you stay close for the rest of your days. To so all my podcast listeners, get uncomfortable. <laughs> I'll make yourself more comfortable. I'm listening to it right before I go to bed. <laughs> you ain't going to hear nothing. All right. And he did not permit them, but said to him, go, this is the thing. Christ knew which one is best for you. For some people, he will say, it's good that you come. Come on, get it, get it mixed the, the disciples. Let's go, me and you. For others, go back home. 
there's pros and cons to both. But you can see by the conversation that Jesus had with this man, Jesus was more concerned that it is best for you at this time in your life to not be separate from family, but to be with family. To not start a new chapter away from everybody else, but to knit your deliverance into what you were delivered from. You want to be like, I'm closed that chapter. New beginnings. No, no, no. Go back. And this was just a parenthesis <laughs> of your life. <laughs> Same chapter. <laughs> uh-uh. New year, new chapter. Mm -mm, not for you. Same chapter. Same chapter, but now let's continue the story. That was a parenthesis of your life. A parenthetical stopping point. Only to get back the original story no go home tell them what the Lord has done in essence for you it is best that you declare your deliverance daily come on now it is best for you that everywhere you go you be like look at what the Lord has done it's best that you see your past and say Ain't God good? Ain't he all right? Ain't he wonderful? Won't he do it? And you keep wanting to be that person that, that was back then. Don't, I don't even look like that person no more. I ain't even the same person. No, you are. <laughs> and you need to be. It is best for you to knit these portions of your life together and not start anew. But to see God when you are bound and to see God when you are free. To see him in both. To see him in both. To declare the mercy of God to everybody around you. When you have to, when you were under the influence of demonic spirits on the inside, you had a war in your members on the inside, constantly. My emotions are all over, but I'm going, blah, 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 blah. okay, that's, that's you, right? Everything on the inside, sometimes it show up on the outside and you look crazy. It's just a fact, okay? You tried to keep it all in, it did not stay in, it seeped out here and there. And some of you may think that you responded very reasonably. But you ain't come ask me. Because if you would have brought your self-righteous self to me, I would have told you. No, it seemed to me that you are more concerned with yourself than you were anybody else. I was just trying to help my, no, no, no. It seemed to me that you were an opportunist here. You used everybody for whatever you needed. So you ain't come ask me the judgment call of your decisions. Because I'm going to say that all looked demonic. Don't none of that look like the heart of God. You don't want to hear that. You like to think, I did the right thing. Right? Now you, so, you, don't, you can't even say sorry. That's how much you think you did the right thing. If you can't ever apologize as a believer, even if you didn't do anything wrong, 
you already wrong. This is your litmus test. If you have a problem, apologize, because I ain't do nothing wrong. You can best believe whatever that motivation factor was, it was not of God. He who had no sin bore all sin. So the fact that you're trying to make yourself right and maintain rightness over relationship already shows that this was self-motivated. Not about God and not about others. Because an apology is simple. Well, I don't want to say it unless I mean it. Okay. So mean it. Y'all think that's the alternative. I don't want to say it unless I mean it. Okay. Why don't you do the work of meaning it? And then you can say it since you have such high standards of what you say. Oh, you're, you're a purist in what you say. I only say things that I mean. Right, yeah, you do. If I don't really mean it, I don't say it. Okay. Now you're a purist of all your words. See how it only make no sense? Yeah. Sounds stupid off the top, don't it? You lied about stupid things, little things, big things. Now, how far be it for you to give an apology that you're not really sure if you feel? They just say what you want to really mean. I prefer that they suffer. I prefer that they feel my righteous indignation. I prefer that they know that they were wrong and I am right. Go ahead, say how you really feel. With your little unclean spirits floating around all in there. Now, this may be you, but just check, let me tell you, there, there are people that live a different way. I will use my own experiences from time. I, I didn't do nothing wrong. I was completely right and in the eyes of God did what I was supposed to do. But somebody has had an offense. What's the first thing that comes out of my mouth? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I am so sorry. And in my mind, I'd be like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but that's not needed at this time. And in my mind, I could very well see where Satan is, where God is, where you are, and where I am, and I never tell you. You can't even see nobody but you, <laughs> and you still can't offer an apology. Your only viewpoint is yours. Wake up! I'm telling the truth. And you have the audacity to withhold an apology. That's why if, if you don't feel it, just think about it. I'm pretty sure you'll feel it. Because when you see it from somebody else's perspective, and you can say, no matter what my perspective is, when I look at their perspective, I could see how they're hurt. So I'm sorry. And now you said it and actually mean it. But because you're so busy trying to be right, you never want to see it from their perspective. Because you think somehow it is your responsibility to, ch to change somebody and make them better. The only people that can do that is parents and pastors led by the Spirit of God. I'm the only two officials, offices for that. 
All right? That's it. And they have to check what methods God uses for correction. All right. How you doing? How you doing out there? How everybody doing out there? Everybody doing all right? Amen. 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 <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Woo-hoo. All right. Let's go on and finish on chapter five. <laughs> they said, no, you can't come with me. You need to go back home. You need to knit that part of your life with this part of a life, and I think it's best for you. And I want you to go to the Decapolis, where my disciples and apostles will come next. And you will lay the ground for where my apostles are coming in the book of Acts. I think it's a beautiful sentiment. It's a wonderful story. It lets you know that when God tells you to do something specific to your healing, it's specific to your deliverance, and you cannot try to get an equation that fits everybody. That's what y'all be wanting. No, it's unique to you. Well, in the Bible, don't Jesus sometimes, he could, but for you. But now something in the Bible, he be saying, yeah, 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 but for you. Well, I don't see, sometimes people just be doing their own thing, in the Bible, but for you. For you. All right. When we get to verse 14, and again, he called the people to him. And said to them, hear me, all of you, and understand. Our key text for today. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. Let's stop there. Jesus is coming off of the heels of a situation in chapter. Oh, I'm on chapter 7, Anna. Anna. I'm sorry. Chapter 7, verse 15. My bad. See, my notes is, just look away. <laughs> when we get to chapter 7, we begin to see more about this defiling. Right? What can defile a man? The, the apostles, I mean, excuse me, the scribes are in debate because they see Jesus and his disciples eating food without washing their hands. And the, for the Pharisees and all the Jews, they're not supposed to eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from being out in the, in the, in the market, out there in the world, right, they really got to come in and do all the washings, right? There's all kinds of washings and cleanliness. And so Jesus, the beginning of chapter 7, starts to quote um, some verses from the prophet Isaiah. Talking about how people honor them, honor him with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they do worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Verse 8 of chapter 7, Jesus gives him a lovely quote in summary of Prophet Isaiah's statement. Uh, you leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. What, he's about to, what he goes on to say is that you found a way to avoid what God was targeting in your heart with commandments and found a way to just do the commandments. Ah! 
Some people are like, I got lost. Okay. He gives, it, he gives an example. Some people are like, I ain't lost. I got it. <laughs> you found a way to get around what the law was supposed to do in your heart and found a way to only do what it says. Hello? Mm-hmm. Because if you allow the commandment to change your heart, it will be uniquely different. Right? So he gives an example. <coughs> the scriptures may say, the commandment of God say, may say, honor your mother and father. Right? And whoever reviles father or mother, you must surely die. Yeah, when, when you hear that as a child, anybody that reviles my mother or father, you think it's so bad that I got to die over this? Then you want to say, but they wrong. Oh, don't get quiet, you two in the back. Uh-uh. Don't get quiet in the back. All the children's, children's of parents that is present. Uh, you from your parents is present. Oh, yeah. Bear in mind, I was not thinking of you when I read this. But you're here now, so little sappy faces is the one reason why you drew attention. Try to tell you to fix your face. All right? It's honor the mother and father. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corbin, that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and many such things like this you do. So the kid says, the word says, honor your mother and father. Don't you revile them. If you revile them, you're going to surely die. Um, see, but technically, I'm honoring my parents by, by how I serve God. Technically, I'm honoring my parents but by what I give financially. Technically, that's what the, that is literally what they're saying. This scripture is talking about. And then the church comes around and say, yeah, you're right. As long as you just do things for God, you can revile your parents. I mean, you got you to gotta provide for your future. You can do whatever you want to do. Got to look after you. Or, <laughs> I'm already in it now. I'm as going. Pastor, I can't honor my mom or my dad because they crazy. Better figure out how. I ain't got to figure out how because me just separating myself is sufficient. Technically, that's me honoring them because they really want me to be successful. That's literally what it's saying. I mean, you can read it again. Do you want me to read it for you again? Because I can read it for you again. <laughs> you can't take some of the truth. Every other day I'd be preaching the truth, but oh, today. It ain't the truth today. When I'm coming down on your parents, oh, you did hear the pastor? <laughs> when I'm coming down on you, did you hear the pastor? <laughs> Jewel up here like, oh, move on, pastor. <laughs> he says, so the leaders, not you, the leaders accept this as normal. So we allow it. So then it becomes a tradition, a way that you look at scripture 
over and over and over again that validates your belief in what you want to do. Just by allowing it, we reaffirm how you've interpreted the scripture to me. Rather than causing you to be challenged to honor your parents in a uniquely different situation. One will change your heart. The other will leave you unchanged. How do I honor my mother and father in this? That will involve you changing. Your way, you're trying to get them to change, which is a complete disrespect. Hello? Complete disrespect. It's saying, Mom, Dad, even though you raised me, bore me, put everything into me, I don't like nothing that you, what you did, so I need to tell you how to do it better. Let me teach you. <laughs> let, let me teach you. That's a reviling of your parents. Because you don't want to learn how to honor them in this unique situation. Because that would involve you changing. Yes, to all my spiritual children. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to you. Mm-hmm. But no, this is an opportunity for pastor to change. Is it now? Is it? Look at you. Aren't you smart with your degrees and all? Or all them unclean spirits? <laughs> You're leveling up, ain't you? How many you got? About 500 now? Good, good, good. I just make jokes. To honor your parents in a situation that is difficult is the task. We see this later because when Jesus, or earlier, when Jesus' family thought he was crazy and they came to get him, they stood outside the multitude. He said, Jesus, come out here with us. Now lost your mind. Somebody need to rescue you from you. Jesus, that's enough now. You've gone too far. This thing is going to get away from you. Jesus says, mm, I'm not coming out there. I'm not coming out there. Why not? Because my family are those that do the will of God. Pastor, this is a good example where he did not honor his parents. Okay. Is what you're doing? For the kingdom of God? Or is what you doing for self? I don't see nobody disobeying their parents to come to church. To serve over here. To be over there to, to, with the praise team. I don't see no. Mama said not to witness. I'm a disobeying witness. I don't, I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the case. And I'd like to draw your attention to Exhibit A that most of this is for you. That you're saying this would honor them by way of me. So that you don't have to give them the actual honor that they deserve. You so used to being they pride and joy that you really think that as long as you're doing good, that's all you ever have to give them. As long as I'm doing good, that's all mama ever really want. No, that's what she made you think. <laughs> she made you think that. 
She made you think that all she cares about and all your father cares about is your well-being and your success. That's because they love you. But I pass it them. That is not all they want. That is not all they think about. That is not their life's joy completely. And if it ever becomes their singular life joy, I will beat them down. Because it's supposed to be God and not you, you little mini God selfish child. And I have a hard time telling parents, stop. But if nobody say it, then you're going to be one of them people whose entire lives led through them children. And they're going to grow up. And they're going to tell you to kiss their bottoms. And you're going to be devastated. How dare they now? now how dare they? Now you're nothing in your life goes right. Now you got to put guilt on them. Are you the reason why nothing is going right in me? And so you wonder why they think they have to correct you. You made them feel that it's their responsibility to make you feel better. You told them that they now need to parent you. That's the exchange you made. That's why here at this church, there are boundaries with me being a spiritual mother. You cross over trying to care for me too much, you get smacked down. Well, all I was trying to do, mm -mm, don't worry about me. You need to worry about yourself. You going through something, Pastor, uh, what you working? Did you just get messed up? No, you need to worry about yourself right now. Don't worry about me. But I want to check on you. I'm going to be fine. Mm -mm, mm -mm. <laughs> You're trying to deflect. Trying to make me your focus. No, you got some unclean spirits. You need to worry about them. The ones that get you to lie, to deceive, to finesse, to be angry and impatient. You see about them. Hello? <laughs> I don't want to deal with that. Mm. <laughs> he says, then you no longer permit them to do anything for his mother or father. Like the church because to say, just bump it. When Jesus said, no, if you want to be, my, my family is now have to be those who do the kingdom work. But this was Jesus. Right? And it worked to bring his family into the kingdom. Because later, they're serving as disciples. <laughs> is your little task bringing anybody closer to God? Is it reuniting your family in a way? Is it knitting hearts back together? Or is it creating further distance? I mean, I'm sure you fixed it by now, but just some good things to look over. I know y'all thinking, what does Pastor know? When's the last time you talked to Pastor? When's the last time you talked to Pastor? <laughs> uh, 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 uh. So funny. All right. <laughs> so it's from this that Jesus calls all the people to him again, to himself. He says, the traditions you got wrong. Honoring your mother and father, you just like to do this action that best serves you. And you claim it's, it's godly reasons. All right? 
Say, I'm, what I'm going to do, I'm going to serve God. And my family think I'm crazy? I'm not going to reject them because they think I'm crazy. I'm going to tell them they too could come and serve God with me. Hello? You too. Come, come, come with me. Right? Uh uh-uh, uh, you, you, you said I was crazy. You are. Nope, nope. Never again. Uh-uh. Hello? I think a great example, and I have to use myself in this one. It's great. I can use somebody else. It's the Petersons. One Peterson came to this church. One. Before you knew it, we had four. Every family member in the state started coming to this church based off of them, that one. Marnifa, you be doing too much. Just come. Come to church. Joel, you doing too much of that renew. Eh, Mama, come to church. Before you knew it. Rather than pushing away because somebody disagrees, draws them in closer to the things of God. Draw them in close. The reason you can't draw them in closer to what you're doing because it's not of God. But when it is of God, you can draw them closer into what you're doing. You'd be in a situation where in only a couple hours that you really on your own with nobody watching you. Hello? Hmm? You're like, my life's open book. Look at it. No, you still got secrets. Pastor, don't you call out my secrets? I I ain't going to say nothing. (laughs) (coughs) All right, let's keep going. So he called the people to him again and said to them, hear me, all of you, and understand. I like that. Come here and listen. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, did it everybody. Remember the premise was the Pharisees said, your disciples did not wash their hands and they ate that food. Now they defiled. They have ruined, dirtied up their holiness. Okay, because they broke the law. Most of these we added to them, but ultimately. Right? Now, Jesus was trying to explain, y'all worrying about the washing of hands. You found a way to do the law, but you did not allow the law to affect your heart. What do you think washing your hands before you eat could do to your heart, your insides? I know what it could do to my outside. I don't get no germs. You know, I don't have no bacteria in my mouth. You know, that's probably good. It's the same thing what saying your grace does. Yields patience. Stops you from being so hungry. So lazy. I ain't gonna get up and go wash my hands. I'm gonna just sit here and eat it. That simple commandment to wash your hands before you eat, for them was different. They had they can't just go to the kitchen, all right? <laughs> Two steps over. They had to go all the way out. <laughs> wash, wash, wash. Come all the way back in. 
And if they go to the store, oh, Lord, I got to go, oh, I got to wash all this stuff. All my clothes got to be washed. This pot got to be washed. Everything we touch got to be washed just so I can eat. So now a basic life necessity that every fiber in your physical being is yearning for is now put on the back burner while you fulfill what God told you to do. Not for fulfilling sake. Y'all not letting the commandments, Jesus is trying to tell them, affect the part of you they were supposed to affect. You figured out, if I, you know, as long as I, you know, what, as long as I'm successful, I kind of honor my parents, you know, that's what they want anyway. No. I mean, as long as I wash my hands, that's pretty much the same thing. No. That's what you do. You come up with, that's pretty much the same thing. Because you've concluded the purpose of that commandment apart from the spirit of God. You determine the purpose of that command apart from the Holy Spirit. But just you. I think. I feel. Because if it came from the Spirit of God, then you don't mind having another person filled with the Spirit of God. Look at it. Pastor, am I looking at this right? No. Is, is this okay for me to, mm, I don't know about that. And most times when you do this to me, I say, well, is it possible that you kind of feel like, what I'm trying to show you is you're arguing this out external action when I can see how you're arguing this and how it directly points to a condition of your heart. So I say, well, have you considered that maybe you might be, I mean, but if you just kind of pull back and look at it, you can kind of see how, all I want to know is, should I do it or did I not do it? Did I do it right? Did I not do it? See? Trying to back me in a corner. I'm not going to make the commandments of men a tradition for you. Pastor, you said, mm -mm -mm. evaluate your heart. But the truth is, it's much easier to get a list of do's and don'ts. Then to have in every case and in every situation, your heart evaluated. Because if you really off with God, you getting beat up all the time. I go like, uh, I'm going to do, uh, unclean heart, uh, unclean. Uh, uh, I can't do nothing. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I can't do nothing. Yeah. Maybe you don't need to do nothing for a season. Because the next verse comes up. He tells the disciples, they come into the house. Jesus leaves the multitude, drops that bomb on them. Ain't about what, you, what comes in. All right? Going into a man that defiles him. This is what comes out of a man. That's what defiles him. Disciples ask him on the inside, uh, Jesus, we didn't quite understand. When you said it to everybody else, I'm just be honest, Jesus, we didn't quite understand. Could you add more words to that? And he said to them, verse 18, then are you also without understanding? Mm -hmm. Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? He just restated the same thing. I love it. I agree with this. 
since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled. Right. Thus, he declared all foods clean is a parenthetical reference. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. You went from a vessel being used by God to an unclean vessel that can't be used. And you think it's because you didn't wash your hands. That's what you think. You think it's because you didn't go left. No, not necessarily. I love this example because this example kind of brings some clarity to this unclean spirit and defilement that happens, right? Because if you go down to verse 24, a Seraphonician woman's faith causes her daughter to be healed, all right? Verse 25, but immediately, so when Jesus left that house in that region, uh, he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him, came and fell down in his feet. And the woman was a Gentile, a Seraphonician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. What is unique about this interaction with another unclean spirit is that the unclean spirit ain't even present. <laughs> like so far, the unclean spirits be immediately running up to him. They be like, ah, you are the son of God. They in his presence. This unclean spirit is not even in his vicinity. <laughs> but he knows it's over there with this little girl, this woman's daughter, right? She asked Jesus to heal her daughter. Jesus' reply is, I need to feed children, the, the Jews, Israel, because she's Greek. She's Seraphonician. She's, she's a Gentile, right? I got to get to them first. Now, he's already healed other people that were not Jewish and cast out demons by people that were not unclean spirits, by people that were not Jewish. But to her, to her, he is saying. Now, let me, let me back it up again. What he's saying that should not happen to her in parable, he's already done. I shouldn't be healing Gentiles. I got to get to the children of Israel first. But he already healed a Gentile. Because y'all think that when you hear something from God, that it goes the way you think. So if the facto, he never did it before. No, not if the facto. If the facto, that's what he told you. 
He didn't lie. But he shared information that affected your heart. I, the Lord, try the mind and I test the heart. He said something that's going to test your insides. Huh? We're going we're gonna to leave with this. So you only got a couple more minutes to hang in there. Go back. The top part of this interaction with what defiles a person in Jesus' conversation with the disciples. He uses the analogy of unclean hands, because that's what they're talking about, right? You know, took this food in with unclean hands and defiled your whole pen, your whole inside, all of you, just defiled. He's like, no. You take something in that was dirty, it is not going to defile you. And he says, why? Because you have a stomach. No, seriously. He said, what you're doing that you take in is not going to defile you because I've given you a stomach that will separate what is good for you, useful, and what is not useful is eliminated. There's hope coming. You can feel it. Y'all can feel it. There's hope because I was feeling mighty low. Mighty low. I wish that there could be a stomach of the soul. Some type of mechanism that as things from within try to make their way out, it begins to filter through, eliminates what not should come out, and what only needs to come out is what comes out. I wish it was something like that. I wish there was some type of thing. Because if all this is on the inside of me, because I've done some evil thoughts. I've done some sexual immorality. done some theft. I've not done the murder, but I've hated people. Adultery, covenant, wickedness. I've done some of these things. Listen, what you're telling me is this is in me. And I'm defiled, not necessarily from what is in me, but I am rendered not useful by God based off of what? What comes out. Y'all don't want to help me today. You think, oh, I can't be used because it's already in me. No, 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 no. You can't be used by God because something came out. But if you had a stomach, I don't know, maybe an awesome power that could reside on the inside of your being. That when these evil thoughts, when this covetingness comes up, when this jealousy, when this sensuality, when this backbiting, when all of this comes up, it has to be filtered through a power of the Spirit of God that what comes out will not defile. Sit on down because I'm going to make sure y'all get this point fully. In application. All right. So if you look at the Seraphonician woman, okay, here is what Jesus is trying to say you need. He's trying to say it. You know he's trying to say it because he said, I ain't never heard nobody faith like this. I've been looking for people that could see things like this. Well, how did she see it? Well, when she asked God for something, it would appear as if he did not want to do it because she wasn't the right type of person. 
it would appear. She asked God for something. It would appear that he didn't want to do it because she wasn't the right type of person. Right? But this woman had faith that filtered these statements. Some of us, without this faith filter, this spirit of God filter, at the hint that somebody don't want to do what you want them to do, you already build up defense. You already shut down. You already start talking about how it's always like last time. I mean, it's, that's the idea. See, I knew, I knew you about to go. I knew I shouldn't even told you. I knew I shouldn't even said that. That's why I shouldn't even ask you. I mean, uh, at the hint that your request would not be given to you. Hello? And then when it really sounds like you're not going to get it, would you have said, put a crumb? Or would you have said, I don't understand why it even matters. Like, the Jews ain't that perfect. Ain't like they doing everything right. I mean, they over here falling apart just like the rest of us falling apart. I mean, if anybody should know you, it should be them. How you going to bless them when they should have known you? We never heard of you, and we already believing in you. Which one would you have said? The crumb statement or this last one? And based off of your past, your history, all new kind of words would have been in that statement. New feelings. People already always thought I was the ugly one. What? Because <laughs> people always think I'm nice. What? what, what, what? <laughs> Just because a person is nice don't mean you. What the world? <laughs> Come on. Uh-huh. Your filter is you. <coughs> what comes out of you, what's in your heart, it come out. How do we know? Because you end up doing what lined up with your evil heart. You end up saying, come on, y'all don't want to help me, what you were feeling. Y'all don't want to help me. You end up doing what you wanted. You responded based off of what evil came out of your heart, and you don't even know how not to. And furthermore, you think it's good too. I just did what was on my heart. <laughs> what, is, what does that mean? Oh, so you're implying that you think you have a great heart. You think you're a good person. Unclean spirits use good people all the time. All the time. They prefer good people like you who think they're good. Because you won't humble. You'll stay up. The Seraphonician woman had a faith filter. A focus on God filter. Because if you are the son of God, and she believed it, right? Not based off of what miracles she wanted. She really saw him this way. And if you're here for them, and I'm but a dog, even the dogs eat the crumbs. I just want to get in where I fit in with you. I ain't got to be way up there with them. That's your business. I'd be happy to just be a dog under your table.
I'm close to you, and I'm right here. You God, what can I say? But if you give me this little blessing, I really appreciate it in any way that it comes. I'm terribly sorry that I wish I would have believed you like the rest of them, but I didn't. So whatever that's worth, I just need you to have mercy. I know I don't earn it. I don't deserve it. It may not even be my time. But if you could do it, please. I mean, she got so low. It's like as if she agreed with him calling her a dog. She didn't really say she agreed, but her posture was so receptive of whatever his opinion was. How you gonna call me a dog? That don't even seem holy. You call yourself a holy man? Nope. 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 So when tested, Sorry, uh, online people, I was on the floor. <laughs> when tested, and Jesus said something that would indicate this is not going in her favor, what came out? Pride? Anger? Frustration? Aggravation? Humility. Surrendering. When tested, what came out of her was love. Look, Jesus, this ain't even about me. But please, for my daughter, you are right to judge me however you want. You are right to see it however you want to see it. Because you're God and not me. You make all types of created beings. If this is where I fall, I'll take it. She took what statement and action was not going right in her life. And I bring it home. She took what was not going right in her life, what wasn't going in the direction she needed, and then was further compounded. Not only has my daughter got this unclean spirit, but the man that I'm coming to that can't cast out unclean spirits, it just seemed like he don't even want to do it. It went from worse to worser. More worse, right? It did. And what did she respond? She blow up? Forget God if this is what God is about. Forget this whole situation. That's why I even like the Jewish people. Nope. Nope. At her core, now watch this. You want to affect a mother? Touch a child. Touch a child. You want to get to the core of a daddy? Touch their baby. What is in them? Definitely gonna come out. <laughs> well, you better be careful, cause some people ain't that much saved now. They gonna get you gonna get some things. <laughs> but there's certain things in your life that when life or God or Satan touches it, you get undone. It's this area that you better not. It's a threat. Nobody better not mess with this. God Himself can't mess with this. Because then what kind of God are you? You say you love me, but this is what you do to me? So you always got that thing, that area, and that's what he comes to try. When I tug on this, what you do? Because in that, your real motivations show up. 
in that. When it doesn't go your way, what you do next is the real you. Y'all don't want to help me today. When it does not go your way, what you do is you. Unfiltered by faith. Prime real estate for unclean spirits. All they need is you to open the door. Then you mess around and say something like, well, I'm still, I still feel like I did the right thing. Come on in. Come on in. Ain't nobody going to tell me because I just feel, come on in. Come on in. They didn't overtake you. You welcome them. You will beg and plead on their behalf because they agree with what you wanted. They empower you to continue to go down the path you ain't supposed to be on. So please don't cast them out because I don't think I can do this by myself. Exactly. Which is why we got to cast them out. <laughs> yes, you don't need no help being evil. <laughs> it's already in you. We need to apply a filter of faith. That Seraphonician woman, you, just, you saw her filter of faith. The Christ alone. The A plan. Look at the B. You get to a C. Uh, uh, bump it. See, now I got C. Mm -mm, see, now I know this is devil. A. <laughs> a. What's your A plan? Christ. What you got to that? I don't have nothing else. You ain't got no other plans outside of, nope. I am literally your pastor, and I had no other plans but this. I mean, Christ. I didn't know it was going to bring me here, but it's where it brought me. When I broke up with my long-term, long-distance boyfriend, I said I didn't fathom the idea that I would be single when I decided to be a pastor all my life. But now it's kind of looking that way. I chose A, and I didn't have no other plans after that. I didn't make a plan for kids. I didn't make a plan for career. I didn't make a plan for house, job, or husband. I picked A, Christ alone. And I'm thinking whatever comes along is going to be all right. Now I'm noticing. Should I feed the, the children? or the, I'm a dog, I guess. No, you got to feed me. I'll take whatever you give me. You know, whatever you say is good because I really don't even know. I'm but a humble servant. But why would you give me the desire for something and not even give it to me? Ooh, look at you. You think the desire of your heart is something new. Something to be upheld. Can you give you desires of your heart? I mean, I'm pretty sure there's the one when your heart lines up with him. You're not going to get it to line up if you, you don't get it by faith. What defiles you is in the midst of all these things you got going on on the inside, you let one of them come out. Now you went from a vessel that could be used, even though you got some mess in there, to a vessel that can't be used. Pastor, I feel like I'm always dealing with this. You probably will be. But faith 
and his grace is sufficient. It filter it out. Don't worry. Well, I feel like I'm always going to want to have sex. You probably will. It'll filter out. Don't worry. Let your faith filter it. Let your belief filter it. Let the word of God filter it. Because he's testing your heart. Not to see what's in it. He already knows. But to see what comes out. When it, when it don't go your way, what comes out? When you're misunderstood, what comes out? You really desire for the kingdom to be built? What comes out? You desire for people to know the love of God? What comes out? Because we're going to see it. And don't try to blaspheme and make it what it ain't. Huh? He'll forgive him, but don't do it. Don't try to cover it up. It is what it is. Just ask the Lord to allow your faith to be firmly established as a filter by the Spirit of God. I just tell people all the time, it's standing all over the house. <laughs> 